God bless you kids. God bless everybody here today. Those of you joining us online, we welcome you. We want to just say it's so good to have you with us. Uh, and uh, you have an outline today that says the title of the message. And we're continuing today with our series called The Sword of the Lord. And I've titled today's message, When Your Hero Dies. And uh, I also gave you another handout that has, uh, it's a letter size, and it has a lot of scriptures on it. And I want to talk about that before I get right into the message today. Um, Can you imagine what would happen if we treated our Bible the same way we treat our cell phone? Walk with me on this. If we always carried our Bible in our pocket, in our briefcase, on our belt, or ladies, in your purse, if we opened up that Bible and looked through it several times a day, and it even had an app to tell us we had spent 35 minutes more this week than we did last week. Or we went back to look for it one more time before we went to bed. Or we used it to send messages to our friends. Or if we acted like we couldn't live without it. Or we gave it as a gift to young ones for their own protection. And in order to stay in constant communication with them. Or we took it with us wherever we traveled just in case of an emergency, so we could get a hold of someone. But unlike a cell phone, the Bible never loses its signal. You can connect with it anywhere. You don't have to worry about being low on minutes because the bill is paid and the minutes are unlimited. And best of all, there are no dropped calls and the battery never loses its charge. The Bible says this in Isaiah 55, 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. So what I've done is I've given you what I'm going to call some uh, emergency numbers for you to put in your address book for the Bible. Are you with me today? Are you tracking with what I'm saying? Follow along with me here. When you're sad, dial John 14.1. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. When people talk about you, dial Psalm 27.1 through 3, where it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies, my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me in this, I will be confident. How many of you realize that can shut up the devil right there? When you are convicted of sin, go to Psalm 51, 1 through 2, and cry out, Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. When you're worried, dial Matthew 6, 33, 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. When you're in danger, dial up Psalm 91, 2 through 13. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. For those of you at times when God seems far off, dial this, Psalm 63, Verses 6 through 8. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Because you've been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I'll rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. When your faith is weak and it needs strengthening, I can't even give you all of these. Hebrews chapter 11, I'll just give you the whole chapter. And the same thing when you're alone and afraid. We already saw it here on the... uh, Video prior to our offering, during our offering, Psalm 23. Just go through the whole Psalms when you feel alone and afraid. When you're being harsh and critical, how many of you know the Bible even deals with our issues? It even shows us how not to be. Watch this, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, does not brag, it is not arrogant, it does not act disgracefully, it does not seek its own benefit, it's not provoked, does not keep an account of a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. To find the secret to happiness, dial up Colossians three twelve through 17. So as those who have been chosen to God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so must you do also. In addition to all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ, to which you were indeed called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. When you feel sad and alone, dial up Romans eight thirty one through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring charges against God's elect? God's the one who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, but rather was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is also interceding for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ, Will tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Can everybody just say a big, big no? None of those things will. Watch this. Just as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when you are walking in any kind of fear or full of fear, dial up 1 John 4.18. Here's what he says. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. For those of you in need of peace and rest, dial Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And last of all, when life seems bigger to you than God, actually the whole psalm, but I picked these out, verses 1 through 4 and verses 10 through 12. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past, and like a watch in the night. Verse 10, the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength, they're 80 years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Those are just a few numbers that you can call from God's Word. Wouldn't it be awesome to treat this like our cell phones? Well, today I want to continue on with my series called The Sword of the Lord, and I began this way in the Word to show you how much you can read in a fraction of a moment and how many needs you can meet before the day is done. I just want you to know that there is not a problem you face that's not found in God's Word. There is not a situation that we go through that God has not already dealt with it. Solomon, King Solomon, the wisest man ever, said there's nothing new under the sun, even in his day. Many of us have heroes in our life. We have people that we look up to. We have those that we place a lot of faith in. A lot of trust in. We could actually call them our foundation in some areas of life. But what happens when that hero dies? What happens when that person is no longer here? What do we do? And I want to share with you today it's not necessarily wrong to have heroes. In fact, we're shown in the whole book of Hebrews 11 that I was talking about, if your faith is weak, read it. You'll read about heroes, heroes of the faith, men like Noah and Abraham and Sarah and David and Daniel and various, various others, how they were heroes in faith. And you can grow your faith by just watching what they did, hearing what they did, reading what they did. But I want you to look at me with me today at a hero that my favorite prophet, Isaiah, I love to read Isaiah. 
He prophesied about Jesus coming. He prophesied many things about end times. He was a very godly man. And he loved his king. I could venture to say King Uzziah was Isaiah's hero. But I want you to notice something found in Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8, and I've given you an outline, and that's basically the outline is just the Scripture. I want you to follow along with me as I read Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. It says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with the other two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, a hot coal, it's on fire, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. Send me. Well, the Scripture starts off with the words, In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, why is that important? Is that important? Why is it there? You need to realize that Uzziah had been king for 52 years. Everybody say 52 years. And for 52 years, the nation of Israel had been progressively sliding into sin. But Uzziah was a good king, and under his rulership, the people felt secure. Now, can you imagine having a good president and having a good president for 52 years solid? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That'd be great, wouldn't it? And everything's going good economically. Everything's good socially. There's peace in the valley. Hallelujah. Everything's going good militarily, and everything is just peace. (sighs) That'd be great. That's what Israel was experiencing. But then the hero dies. The leader goes, 
Uzziah dies, and it all sort of symbolized God taking his hands off. And when Uzziah dies, Isaiah checks in and finds out what's going on. And so Isaiah goes to church. Isaiah steps inside the temple, and watch what happens. He sees the Lord. And the thing he sees the most is found in verse 3. The angels begin to cry out to each other about the character of the Lord. And three times it says what? Holy. 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 It could have said peace, peace, peace. It could have said love, love, love. But it said holy, holy, holy. That's God, folks. Holy. Would you say it? Holy. That's God. And when you get around it, even if you're a preacher, you're changed. Isaiah sees a holy God, and even inanimate things begin to be affected by Him. The doorposts begin to shake and tremble. The thresholds of the door start moving, and the voice of Him who cried out fills the room, and the room begins to fill up with smoke. And then this holy man, Isaiah, this this prophet of God, what does he say when he sees the holy God? He says, verse 5, woe is me. I'm undone. Have you ever been undone in the presence of God? I pray when we come to church on Sundays, we get undone. I pray we leave not with a man encounter, but a God encounter, because that will change you. You see, he said, woe is me. I am undone. Here's what undone means. I am literally cut off. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pieces. I'm falling apart. What? You're Isaiah. You yourself are people's hero. How many of you know heroes need a hero? He says, I am a man of unclean lips. And I go, What? Wait, you're a preacher, man. You're a preacher. You're a prophet. What do you mean you, you have unclean lips? This is what I was saying. I've got a dirty mouth. 
what? Isaiah with a dirty mouth? No, Isaiah, you're God's prophet. You speak God's words. He's like, no, I have unclean lips. And he says, woe is me. Here's the word woe. Woe means judge me. Lord, I'm falling apart. I have fallen to pieces, and I am before you on my face, and I'm asking you, judge me. Man, we need to move like that in America. From the White House to our house. What am I saying? I am concerned that this generation doesn't really understand the holiness of God. And I am convinced that the 21st century culture and much of the church plays games with a holy God, and they don't know what they're doing. And this is serious. The leaders of the modern-day church have got to get serious about God's Word and God's holiness because we are some people's hero. People are looking at the church. People are looking at pastors. People are looking at leaders to be their leader. And I just want you all to know Jesus is my absolute top hero. There is no one like Jesus. Because he knows me better than I know myself. I'll be rocking along just minding my own business, and he puts a finger on something I need to change. That's someone who loves you. Church, can I tell you today, there's a lot of people that will tell you what you want to hear and say that you're, they're your friend, but it's the person that tells you those things you don't really want to hear that are your friend. Because they're really interested in your growth. And when Jesus came to this earth, I read where he preached repentance and he preached submission to God. A very wealthy young man came to Jesus one day and he asked Jesus, a question, and he said, what must I do to have and to get eternal life? That's a good question. And you would think that question was enough for Jesus to get to the basis of how to do that. But I want you to understand something. Jesus said, in answer to his question, he just simply said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Now, church, here is a guy who comes along asking, watch the question, how can I obtain eternal life? And Jesus basically, in effect, says, give your money away. 
Now, can I announce to you today that if I am taking a test in Bible college and the, 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 the professor asks me, how, do you, how does a person obtain eternal life, and I give that answer, I won't get that question wrong. You just sell what you have and give it to the poor. And follow Jesus. Mm-mm. It's not how you get eternal life. But for that man, watch this. Jesus is saying, first of all, the man's wanting eternal life. And Jesus is kind of bypassing that and getting to the root. Because he knows that he can give him the answer, but this guy's got an issue. This guy's got one of those things, he's just kind of rocking along, going along, and here's what Jesus is doing. He's like, point. Bing. I'm going to hit that button. I'm going to hit that button. And Jesus hits that button, and he goes this way. He says, he says okay, but we're going to deal with something first. Are you willing to follow me? And he could have asked anything, but Jesus, knowing that money was this man's God, said, let's deal with the issue that I know is there. I know what you say you want, but are you willing to give up everything if I ask you to? Because it's really about following him. It's about following Jesus. Yes, we know that we've got to accept him as Lord and Savior. We've got to confess our sin. We've got to repent of our sin. Without Jesus, we're not going to make heaven. And this guy's heading in the right direction. But when Jesus gets to the point, you see, he's not willing to make it. He's not willing to do the deal. He's not willing to drive off with the car, so to speak. You see, the Bible says he walked away grieved. He had to do something. This is salvation, folks. Let me explain it to you. It's an exchange of all that you are for all that he is. He says, I just want all of you. Well, Lord, that's all I've got. And he's like, that's all I'm asking. You see, God will not ask you for anything more than what you have. Now, how many of you believe that if you give all, Jesus will give you more than all? It's a lot like tithe. If we believe God can provide for us, we will have no problem doing what he says in that area. Amen? A farmer, if once he sows his harvest or, or reaps his harvest and he has wheat in his barn, if he sells it all, he's not going to have anything for next year. So he's got to take a portion of his profits and seed the wheat. Take a portion of it, and once you put it in there, church, I've told you this before. If you take one kernel, I'm just going to use corn as an example. This is, this is what will happen if you just take one kernel of corn. Can you imagine an ear of corn? Just pop one of them out and plant it. Now, this is approximate. 
If you'll take that kernel of corn and plant it, it's going to grow an entire plant. And out of that entire plant, it will grow at least two ears of corn, just one kernel of corn. And in those ears, it will produce, on an average, about 144 kernels each. Now, I'm not the best in math, so I'm not sure what the percentage of that is. But I'll give you this. If you could sow one and you got two, I know that's 100%. I do know that. So I haven't figured out how many thousand percent this is, but church, I want to tell you something. That's exponential. If I just take one of what God gave me and I sow it in the ground and it yields 288, I'd say that's a pretty good deal. I'll give it all, Lord. So the basics, two basics of salvation, say this, two basics of salvation is turning from sin and following Jesus. It's as simple as I can say it. Turn from Jesus, or turn from sin and follow Jesus. And those are found in God's word that we just read. And David's last words in Psalm 19 are these. He says, let, just hear it. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Would you let the Lord be your strength today? Stop trying to make it on your own. He's your hero. Let him also be your redeemer. That means he will redeem you. It's just like you take a coupon and you go to the store. You get a dollar coupon for a loaf of bread. And well, guess what happened? That person, that wonder or nature, whatever, whatever bread you buy, Dave's Killer Bread, whatever it is, and you get a dollar off, that person that made it, that, the people who created that bread is actually paying you to eat their bread. Redeem me. You take that coupon and you redeem it. You don't have to do anything for it except turn it in and get the thing scanned, and you got the dollar off. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You didn't do anything to earn it. It's just simply saying, hey, I want to do this for you. Come to me. Now, salvation's free, but it will require you to give up your sin. And there's just some folks, they're just not ready. I remember talking to one man who is now saved, but after I talked to him about the Lord, I said, so are you ready? Do you want to receive Jesus as your Lord? And he said, I'm, I'm just not quite ready to give this up. I said, give up what? The end of that is death. After death, if you don't know Jesus, there's hell. What is it that you're giving up? Well, when you put it that way. And he knows Jesus, he knows Jesus today. Amen. An old African chief in a tribe one time speaking to the missionary Robert Moffat. He held up his Bible, this African tribe chief held up his Bible, and he said to that missionary, he said, this is the fountain where I drink, and this is the oil that makes my lamp burn. 
May that be true of us today. Can I ask you this? Who is your hero? It's okay to have one. Just make sure that you stay in this. Church, I want to tell you something. If America would just open the book, if our leaders would just open the book, if the pastors of our leaders would just preach the book, and we all responded to the book. would have a different America. You cure our social problems. You cure our financial problems. You cure our economic problems. In your heart this morning, before I leave you, to go into this week to overcome in all the situations that you're going to be faced with this week. Will you make in your heart a fresh commitment like Isaiah did that day and confess the things that need to be confessed before God and say, God, you are a holy God. And I ask you to make me holy in thought, in word, and in deed. Can you put your thoughts around that? I mean, what we have heard this morning, church, it is without equal. And the importance that it has in the life of believers will cause you to deepen even more than you are now in your walk with God. Can I ask you that? Are you as deep as you can be with God? You know, here's the great thing about going deep with God. His ocean is really, really deep. We're hearing about this in our discipleship class about Bob Goff, the video that we're watching. He's talking about diving deep into Loving people in this chaotic situation that we're living in today. I mean, you know, we are in a chaotic world right now. Man, I'm telling you, though, if we will love people with love and kindness and holy living, we're not going to be caught up in it. We're not going to be caught up in the negative of it. We're actually going to be facilitators of God's... Uh, power and God's love and God's ability. So I ask you today, will you covenant with God to be a man or a woman of his word, afresh and anew? If you will, raise your hands today. Amen.
See, church, listen, you will never know what God's Word can do with, for you if you don't read it, if you don't study it. Can I just ask by a show of hands, did anybody get encouraged by just reading a, one, a two-sided piece of eight and, eight and a half by 11 sheet of the Word of God today? Was this encouraging? And see, this is just a sample. This is just a little bit of what God can do in our life. And, 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 and I'm telling you, if we will just uh, you know, watch the news apps a little bit less and open up the Bible app a little bit more, I'll tell you what, we're going to go to bed and have some good rest. Amen? Because we're not going to worry about everything. We're going to say, God, you see all the mess, but we're going to trust you with the rest. Amen? So now what we got to do is we just got to simply join in, in faith, in agreeing prayer for ourselves. And for our nation, I want everybody's eyes to go over here. I know over here on the camera, you're not be able to see this, but do you see this revival banner? I want you to notice something about it. If you can, if you can see it, can everybody see that? Okay. In fact, you know what? Let me let me grab it so everybody on the video can see it. I'll just bring it up here. We getting that on there, Craig? Okay. So look at the bottom. That is a heart on fire. Do you see it? That's what happened to Isaiah that day. His heart got on fire. He said, woe is me, I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips. In other words, God, take control. And God set him aflame. If our hearts are on fire, our homes will be on fire. And I'm talking about the fire of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about God. So if we're on fire, it starts here. It starts in our own heart. But if it starts in our heart, fire catches stuff on fire. Anything that is dry, listen, if you are dry, that's okay. Dry wood burns. God will set you on fire. If you're dry, you're good kindling for God. He wants to come in and he wants to set you on fire and set you, set, let the power of God flow in you. It's like, man, how, how, can, how can the power flow like that? I, I don't know how it does, but it does. When you're hungry, when you're thirsty, God will fill you. God will feed you. God will give you water. If you are dry, he will set you on fire. And then it's going to change our homes. How many of you know our homes are under attack today? When if all of us individually will just get on fire, it'll affect our homes. And if our homes are on fire, the church will be on fire because the church is made up by the homes that are in it. And it's our homes that will affect the world. So if godly homes begin to stay on fire, the world will get on fire. Heart, home, church, world. That's how it works. Amen? Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Pray this with me. Father, today, hear my prayer. Help me be committed. Help me be recommitted to your word. To keep it, to study it, to bathe in it, to meditate it, to practice it, and to speak about it. Energize me with the Holy Spirit that it would not be something I do here and there, but a lifestyle. And I pray that I would live in the truth of Jesus Christ, in the power of His Spirit, 
set me on fire again in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Go in the power of the word. Flow together in the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak about God's word. And I will guarantee you, life is going to begin to change for you first and then others. Are you ready for that? Amen. Love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week.